Wow, time so running fast, and it seems like it was just the other week that I got here, and now I'm leaving for vacation. I can still remember my first Sunday here. Um, I was thinking on that too, and still thinking how am I going to introduce myself on the streets. And, but not until my third Sunday that I was able to stood up on this pulpit and to testify God's goodness of how He brought me here. And honestly, if you were going to ask me, how do I feel even if I am always here standing and share, sharing His word, still I'm kind of nervous. But it's all by the grace of God that I'll be able to share His Word. As I reflect on God's faithfulness on my life for the past few years of staying here, all I can say, how awesome is He that He called me to be saved and to be His child. Yes, I am Pastor Steve. I studied in a famous seminary in the Philippines. Grew up in a Christian family. I'm always present on a Sunday school. All of the good morals, good moral things that I could learn, I almost got, got them. But real change happened when I got here. When I got here in Gitmo. Just like what I'm always telling to my friends. It's up to us how we will go in to look on this place in our physical, our mental, and our spiritual life. We can look on this place as a very dark place. Temptation everywhere, and everything is tolerable, right? Everything is tolerable. We are far from our loved ones, and it's so easy to be tempted. Just like what I'm thinking before when I got here, nobody knows me. What's my background so I could mess up my life? Nobody will gonna condemn to my actions, though some knew they some knew that I am a Christian, but they will not gonna expect from me. But you know one thing that I've learned, if you were really called by God, you will not gonna choose to mess up your life as a Christian. Another you can look on this place as a second chance. Second chance for you to think what is your status before God. To reflect and to really seek Him with all of your life. That's what I've got here. More than the job that I've got, that I've learned. And how I deal with people that is around me. But the transformation of the heart that He changed on me. By His grace, I will never be the same same person again. And it is my heart's desire to follow this will, any road, any cause. This place is a place of second chance. Indeed. Where she mold me and teach me a lot of things. That's something I will gonna be proud of. Something that I will go to share for my vacation. Yes, I do still sin and do mistakes. But I know that God is moving on my life. That is the reason why I choose to move forward 
because of God's God enabled me to do it. Okay. So much for that little story, little testimony of my life. If you have your Bible with you, uh, can you please open it with me on Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you that I promise Moses, wherever you set, you set foot, you will be on land I have given you, from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north. From the Euphrates River in the east of the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the lands, all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. May God bless the reading of His word. Join me in the word of prayer, please. Our loving God and Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this night that you gave them to us, Lord God, to once again study your word and to be encouraged, Lord God. Lord, it is our prayer that you would open our hearts and our minds, Lord God. And Lord, if you want to teach us something this evening, may you guide us, Lord God. Be with me, Lord God, as I share your word. Lord, it is my prayer that it is not I that will go see but your glory, Lord God. Forgive us for the sins that we've made, Lord God. We bless your name, Lord God. We give you praise, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Moving forward. That's the title of my message this evening. Just a little bit background. After being led out of Egypt by Moses, the people of Israel have been wandering through the desert for 40 years. Another Moses just saw the land from afar, but never reached it. He didn't reach the promised land. In Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have now allowed you to see it with your own eyes, but you will not enter the land. In Numbers chapter seven, uh, chapter twenty, verse seven, verse up to twelve, it says, "And the Lord said to Moses, You and Aaron must take the, the staff and assemble the entire community, as the people watch, speak the rock over there." and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to testify the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at, at the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff 
and water gush out. So the entire community and their life, livestock drank their, their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. After Moses' death, Joshua took the leadership. They are now come along the east bank of the Jordan River. What is the promised land? What is the promised land? Um, next slide, please. First, it's a place of happiness, a place of blessing. Second, a place of peace. It's what the book of Hebrews calls entering God's rest. Thirdly, this is a place where you feel good about your life. You find satisfaction in your work. You experience joy in your relationships. And you're relaxed about your financial situation. And lastly, this is the life that God desires for His people. A life of contentment. Here's what I want all believers to understand. For all the believers that were here. Just as God promised the people of Israel a land flowing with milk and honey, He has promised you a place of peace and contentment and abundance and joy. If we were ready to make our move, we can begin to take possession of the promised land. If we obey what He wants for us. Today, we'll look at three necessary steps for making our move from the way it is to the way we want it to be. First, turn the page. Turn the page. You need to be able to accept the change in your life. Accept the truth. Changes happen. And you cannot, you cannot repeat those things that is already in the past. Choose to be better. And not to be bitter. To the past and the mistakes that we did in the past. Another, you need to let go of the past. Let go and let God take over. Absolute surrender to His will. Another, you must be willing to move forward, to start afresh and to take a new step when the time calls for it. On verse 2, says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land what I am about to give them. Okay, Moses was a great man of God. God used him in many marvelous and miraculous ways. The anointing of God was on his life. As a child, he was saved from the sword of Pharaoh and in fact grew up in his royal household because God was preparing him for a mighty work. Through Moses, God saved the people of Israel from the slavery in Egypt. Through Moses, God parted the waters of the Red Sea. Through Moses, God delivered the Ten Commandments and the Book of the Law. Moses was a great man, but he didn't live forever. He died in Moab at the age of 120. And the nation of Israel mourned his passing for 30 days, and then it was time to move on. 
Okay, next slide, please. Okay. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I am about to give them. God was saying, in effect, turn the page, turn the page, Joshua. Moses was a great man. He was my servant, but he's gone. It's time for you to move on. For those of who are still in desert, God is saying this to you today. Turn the page. Let go of the past. It's time to move on. There are five things that we need to let go. Things in life that we need to let go. First, is failures. Second, frustrations. Third, accomplishments. For people, and lastly, sins. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, it says, Brothers and sisters, I know that I still have a long way to go, but there's, there is one thing I do. I forget it's in the past and try as hard as I can to reach the goal before me. I keep running hard toward to finish the line to get the prize. That is in mind because God has called me through Christ Jesus to live up there in heaven. Forgetting what is in the past, we cannot move forward if we keep on looking on our past. Sometimes it's just good to look on our past, but if we dwell, if we always dwell on our past, then we, can, we cannot move forward. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, B says, We should remove from our lives anything that would slow us down and the sin that so often makes us fall. The greatest obstacle to, ex- to experiencing the abundance of God in your life today is your refusal to let go of your yesterday. You can still second base with your foot still on first. At some point, You've got to take your foot up and start running forward. It's the same in life. You've got to let go of the past if you want to move into the future that God has done for you. Edmund Burke said, The past should be a springboard, not a hammock. He's saying that we shouldn't live in the past, but we can use the lesson we learned in the past to move us forward. It's what helped us to turn the page. The past should be a springboard to our future. God said to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. It's time for you to move on. Turn the page. You need to ask yourself today, what page in my life needs to be turned? What part of the past am I hanging on to? In what ways do I allow yesterday to hold me back? Whatever is in your past that is black in your future, let go of it. Turn the page. Here's the second thing you need to do. The past should be the springboard to our future. Second, second point. That's not smart. 
state your claim. God made a bold promise to the people of Israel. I will give you every place where you set your foot. I want you to know that God is making the same promise to you today. He wants to give you every place where you set your foot. Here's what I mean. God wants to give your ownership of every area of your life if you are children of God and accepted Him as your Lord and personal Savior. He wants to give you authority and power in every area of your life. And if I can use a word laden with connotation, He wants to give you dominion in every area of your life. Do not misinterpret me on this. What I am teaching, I am not teaching prosperity theology on this. I just want us to see if we are really obeying God in our life that we choose to move forward. Another thing, if we really surrender to Christ, we can be assured of these things that is, in read, that is written on the scripture that God promised to us. Who we are in Christ. Who we are in Christ. First, I am accepted. In John chapter 1, verse 12, says, I am God's child. There's a lot of this verse actually. John 15, 15, as a disciple, I am a friend of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, I have been justified. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17, I am united with the Lord and I am one with Him in spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20, I have been bought with a price that I belong to God. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, I am a member of Christ's body. In Ephesians chapter 8, or 1, verse 3 up to 8, I have been chosen by God and adopted as His child. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, I am complete in Christ. In Hebrews 4, chapter 14 up to 16 says, I have direct access to the throne of grace through Christ Jesus. Another, I am secure. We are secure. In Romans 8, verse 1 and 12, I am free from condemnation. In Romans 8, 28, I am assured that God works for my good in all circumstances. In Romans 8, 31 up to 39, I am free from any condemnation brought against me and I cannot be separated from the love of God. In 2 Corinthians 1, verse 21 to 22, I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. By God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 4, I am hidden with Christ in God. Philippians 1, 6, I am confident that God will complete the good works, the good works He started in me. Philippians 3, 20, I am citizen of heaven. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 18, I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. Lastly, I am significant. John, John 15, verse 5, I am branch of Jesus Christ, the true vine and the channel of his life. In John 15, verse 16, I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. 
In 1 Corinthians 3.16, I am God's temple. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, up to 21, I am minister of reconciliation for God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, I am seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenly realm. Ephesians 2.10, I am God's workmanship. Ephesians 3.12, I may approach God with freedom and confidence. And lastly, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a lot of promise that God had given to us. Paul once used a phrase that we, we would do well to repeat every day of our lives. He said, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. That's in Romans 8, verse 37. God made you to win. He made you to, to succeed. He made you to thrive. He wants you to walk in victory. This is what God wants for you in every area of your life. For example, God doesn't want you to be defeated on your job. He doesn't want you struggling in a work environment where you're always on the brink of failure, where you can perform effectively, where you never see results. God wants you to flourish in the workplace. Remember the words of Solomon? To find satisfaction in all his toil, this is the gift of God. That's in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 13. He doesn't, want, he doesn't want your family life to be filled with stress and tension and resentment. He wants husband and wives to enjoy each other, not on work, 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 and work, and don't have time for each other. He wants children and parents to love to get, to love together. He wants to give you ownership, to give you dominion in this area. It's the same with your finances. You don't have to be rich to live in financial abundance. Of course, we do need money. There's no question about that. But you also need the ability to experience contentment. God wants to give you peace in your financial life. He wants to give you ownership in this area. It also applies to your spiritual life. For those who are struggling with sin, struggling with obedience, struggling with burnout, struggling with living in an emotional vacuum, I want you to know that God will give you dominion in this area too. You can experience love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, self-control. These are our inheritance and it's waiting for us to take them. It's time to stake your claim. Look at your life. Look at every place you set your foot. Home, work, church, ministry, the golf course, your neighborhood, your social life, your health, your finances, your extended family, and on and on. Decide today to believe that God wants to give you dominion in each of these areas. As he promised to Joshua, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. Does that mean Joshua never lost a battle? Of course not. But it does mean that he lived his life 
in victory in the shadow of God's division. You can to stake your claim. Lastly, on our third point, claim God's promise. God said to Joshua, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. These words were echoed, echoed in the book of Hebrews. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Hebrews 13 verse 5 And they're familiar, similar to the last words spoken by Jesus on planet Earth. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's in Matthew 28 verse 20. 20. So go. Go. Whether we realize it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, you are never out of God's sight. Not a single second of our life that He didn't do over us. He sees you all the time. See us. Always see us. And He's with us all the time. He watches over you all the time. He's not watching and looking you from a distance. But He is always there. Another security is not the absence of danger but the presence of God, no matter what the danger is. I want you to understand this and accept it and claim the promise, God is with me always. Um, don't make me start reciting the footprints, you know, the footprints in the sand, because um, remember the part where there was only one set of footprints in the sand. During Stark's days, the Lord said, That's when I carried you. Remember that? That is the way it is. God said to Joshua and the people of Israel, and she's saying to you, Every step you take, every place you go, I am with you. In your victories and defeats, in your good times and your bad times, in your dark days, and in your bright days, I am with you. You can count on me. You might want to say, but I don't feel his presence. But he says, I am with you always. You might want to say, but I don't deserve, but I don't deserve his presence right now. But he says, I am with you always. You might want to say, but I'm no Moses, and I'm no Joshua. But he says, I am with you always. In order to make your move into the promised land, you have to get in, you have to get in the habit of living your life in the presence of God. But there's what I want us to understand. A little distinction I want you to make right now. You are already in the presence of God. He is with you. He is with you at this moment, as we speak. Day after day, when we, you, will, you wake up, He is there with you. As you go about your routine, He is nearby. He never leaves you. You don't have to make a long journey to get into God's presence. You're already there. Begin to acknowledge it. 
begin to acknowledge it. If you want to make your move in the promised land, then claim the promise of God's permanent residency in your life. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Acknowledge His presence. Expect it. Live in it. This is how you make your move into the promised land. For our conclusion, for those of you who are wandering in the wilderness, who need to make the migration from the desert land to the holy land, I want you to know that today is the day that you can begin. A place of promise awaits you. A place of contentment and joy and peace and abundance and satisfaction. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And God is waiting for you to enter. It's time for you to make your move. This is how you begin to experience the fullness of God's promises. And in the weeks to come, we'll see how all of us, His promises are fully realized. Turn the page on the past. Look ahead to what God will do to your life today and tomorrow. Brothers and sisters, we still experience, may we experience as we move forward and go into this world. May they see Christ, may they see Christ in our life and let Christ be the center of our everything. Yes, life is hard, but we know but when we know that God is in the midst of everything, we will be fine. Let us continue to move forward. Have a blessed night.